Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Hallelujah. Um, what a very special evening we're about to have. You know what? Take another 10 seconds. Please bow your heads and pray in the spirit. Pray conscious that you have the Holy Ghost and you have something to offer. Pray in the spirit right now. Pray in the spirit. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Casombrita actus sapo teriti feneto crosto feti kezestos. Zamene minovo hoktres. Zuperekida hactus. Zuke nema hactus. Zefeneka hactus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. You see, there is something theologians like to call new creation realities. And new creation realities is concerned with helping believers realize what Christ has done. He did a lot, and you have to know what he has done. Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus. He says that the eyes of, of your understanding will be flooded with light to know what is the hope of his calling, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So not only do you have an inheritance, it's a rich inheritance, but it won't matter what you have if you don't know what you have. And so he's praying that you would see. He said he had a ministry to make all men see, you know, what Christ has done. And that's what new creation realities is about. The Bible tells us that Paul went to um, Athens, and he beheld their devotion, how they went about their worship, you know. In, they were honest enough to admit that they did not know God. They knew there was a God out there, but no one had preached to them to tell them who he was, what his name is, and what he has done. And so they had an inscription in their temple to the unknown God, you know. And there are many other reasons why they had that particular inscription. And Paul stood with audacity and he said, whom you ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. And he began from a logical standpoint to point them to the truth of God's word. He says, listen, you are offering sacrifices to God. Don't you understand that he sustains all? He said, even one of your poets says, in him we live and move and have our beings. One of your poets says we are his offsprings. And so if we are his of spring, we look like him. So don't think he's gold or silver like the idols that you have. And if he sustains all of humanity, all of creation, don't think that he depends on you for his next lunch. Stop offering him, stop offering him stuff in calabash and think you're doing devotion. He's much bigger than that. And then finally, he says, if he made the whole world, he doesn't need you to build him a house. He says, because God does not dwell in temples made with human hands. And what is very interesting is this. He didn't say that that applied 
to pagan temples alone. That applied to all temples. God never dwelt in temples made with hands, including the temples that Jews built. He never dwelt there. You see, and um, Stephen, when he was giving his last um, sermon before he was killed, he said very boldly, he said, and Solomon built him a house. He says, although God does not dwell in temples made with hands. Let me see if I can read that to you as fast as possible. That's um, Acts chapter 7, verse 47. It says, but Solomon built him a house. However, the Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands. As the prophet said, the heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? So, um, Stephen corrected an age-long religious um, ideology that God dwelt in the temples of Jerusalem. And he says, God said, the heaven of the heavens is mine. Where is the place of my rest? How will you build me a house? And you know, it amazed me to discover that this was not New Testament revelation. Folks in the Old Testament knew about this. You see, you have to pay attention when you study the Bible. I went to read again what Solomon said when he was dedicating that grandiose, beautiful temple he had built. And when I saw what he said, I was amazed. Yeah, it is true. A lot of great things happened. The Shekinah was evident. Even the ministers, the priests could not minister. They all fell to the ground and all of that. Yet, that still was not the true temple of God. I want you to see what Solomon said. Second Chronicles. You have me to thank. You're probably reading that book for the first time. Second Chronicles, maybe not, hopefully not mature members of this church. You should have read the whole Bible by now. Second Chronicles chapter 6 from verse 18. This is going to bless you in no small way. In Second Chronicles chapter 6 from verse 18, he's about to dedicate the temple. You know what he says? He says, but will God indeed dwell with men on earth? This is what Solomon said. Will God indeed dwell? Like, just imagine, God has an address. Oh, so you go to this street and you turn left, you know, the third house on the right, pink gate. He says, but will God dwell with men on earth? We have a different answer now. He says, behold, the heaven and the heaven of the heavens cannot continue. How much less this temple I have built? He says, yet regard the prayer of your servant and his supplication. O Lord my God, and listen to the cry and the prayer which your servant is praying before you, that your eyes may be open towards this temple day and night. So he knew God was not going to stay there. Are you with me? He said, you, you can't stay here. We can't build your house. So this is what I'm praying. Let your eye be open towards this temple. And you will see what, what, why he said what he said. He says, oh my goodness. Towards the place where you said you will put your name. That you may hear the prayer which your servant makes towards this place. So what he was saying in essence is this. People are going to come here to pray. And I know you can't stay here. But you said you will put your name here. So when people call out to you here, answer. 
So even Solomon knew that as expensive as that building was, God was not going to stay there. And it changes everything. When in the New Testament, the Bible says your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Listen, the house you live in may not be one-tenth of the quality of the temple of Solomon. And you may think you're not from a rich background, but you have something that Solomon's temple did not have. The spirit of the living God resides in you. Listen, you have become his address. And that if anyone on the earth wants to know for sure that Jesus is alive, you have the privilege to be an envoy of his presence. You know, hi. Did you hear what I just said? Let me show you something. Every time I read this, you know, I'm just amazed. Look at Galatians chapter 3. Oh, ha, 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 ha. Look at Galatians 3, 5. I want you to read beyond what is written and just try to imagine the mentality of the person who wrote it. He said, therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you. Listen, are you here today? First and foremost, he's talking about himself. He's describing his ministry. And he calls himself a supplier. Greek word means dispenser. <laughs> Hallelujah. So whenever I go to a place, I can pour a little. I can, I can change the atmosphere. We, I'm a supplier. Hallelujah. He says, he who supplies the spirits to you, Works miracles. Does, does he do it by, um, by the law or by the hearing of faith? He's describing his ministry. So there is a mentality in Christ. That's what I'm describing as new creation realities. Look at what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to read the last two verses. Oh, what a mentality to have. Ephesians 2.21 we have to be fast now. Ephesians 2.21, it says, In whom all the building, hey, he calls us a building. In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto unholy temple in the Lord. This is the true temple of God, all of us. As we are gathered here, we are the temple of God. God's dwelling place, that's what we are. And it's a collective reality and an individual reality at the same time. Together we are the temple. Individually we are temples. Did you hear what I said? So in verse 22 it says, In whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Oh my God. So all the beautiful things you read about in the Old Testament temple, they were but a foretaste of your real, actual reality. 
Did you hear what I just said? Do you believe that? Can I tell you something? If you believe it, it changes everything. If you believe it, it changes everything. That thick manifestation of, you know, the Shekinah of God that they had in the Old Testament was but a foretaste of your true personal experience. Think about, don't just say yes when I ask you if you understand. Think about what I'm saying. In you, the Spirit of Christ dwells. The same spirit that hovered over the face of the deep. The spirit by whom the world was made dwells in you. No wonder he said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You have to realize that the power that resides in you created everything on the outside. So if you go on a plane and you see, you know, how great the earth is, you know, the wonders of the world, you know, and you're like, you're in awe. If the Lord could open your eyes to see the capacity of the power that you carry inside you, it is bigger. He said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Do you truly believe this? I'm working on your mentality tonight. And so, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, from verse 11, he says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Say, I'm equipped for ministry. So listen, you don't just come and you say, I've learned a lot from Reboot Camp. You know, I'm so stirred. You know, it, see, we don't learn for learning's sake. We learn for ministry. To whom much is given, much is required. So you must have a sense of responsibility with all the information you've received, with all the impartation you've received and are about to receive. He says, he sends them to equip you for ministry. And then he says this, verse 16. I want us to read verse 16 together. One, two, go. From whom, I want you to be louder than that, one, two, go. From whom the whole body joined together and knit together by what every joint, what? Ah, boy, 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 boy. You can read about Paul. And say, he that supplies the spirit to you. And you're like, ah, Paul was very deep. Very deep. But now, this is God's perfect picture for the body of Christ. He said, from whom, that's from Christ, the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. Say, I'm a supplying joint. Say, I get to supply. I get to contribute by the power of the Holy Ghost. Say, I contribute. Say, it's my destiny to be a blessing to the body of Christ. Listen, listen. It says, according to the effectual working by which every part does its share. Let me tell you something. What I'm sharing with you is the key to the biggest revival the church has ever seen. If you're not careful, 
we will organize church like we're in the Old Testament. And when there is a great problem, we will look for one man as if the Spirit of God is only on one person in a generation. And you will celebrate it. Oh, our pastor great, does great miracles. But that's not God's plan for the now. Are you listening to me? He says, you have a part. You have a contribution to make. And everything you need to make that contribution effectively, you already have. Look at this. This is about you. According to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body. So the body of Christ will not grow until you play, play, play your part. Now you're silent on me. I said the body of Christ will not grow until you play your part. I'm saying it again. The body of Christ will not grow until you play your part. Nudge the person by your side gently. Say you have a part to play. <laughs> Let me tell you something. And what I'm about to say is something that every Nigerian can relate to. We don't read manuals when we buy new devices. Even when you're installing apps and you see those long terms and conditions, you, just, you always agree. <laughs> you just agree and move on. <laughs> but it might have happened to you once or twice that the device you were using could do a lot more than you realized. And you were legit suffering, stressing yourself until someone showed you. Has it happened to you before? Someone teased me, said I should, we, you should give your phone out. You don't know how to use it. And was showing me all the nice things the camera can do. I'm like, wow. I've had it more, you know, for such a long time, and I didn't even know all of that. And we have those experiences many times. Let me tell you this. I said that to say this. Until we realize how the body of Christ is meant to function, we'll live below potential. We will live below potential. Mark my words. If you take what I'm teaching you, the world will not be able to contain the effect. Let me tell you something. A responsible believer is so powerful and efficacious that Jesus told 11 fishermen, Go ye into all the world and teach all nations. And he was not out of his mind. He knew that 11 men could do it. And we are here. Our, here, our being here is testament to the fact that they did a good job. Are you getting what I'm saying? So imagine if all the people here, about 1,000 of us, imagine if we go. We actually go. I'm not talking about attending church twice a week. Like you actually have a supply consciousness. Ah, we will turn this world upside down. Make no mistake. We can evangelize the world in no time. If every Christian plays his part. We can. You can. 
So you must understand God's design for the New Testament church. You must understand God's design. It is one thing to read about people in the Old Testament, admire all the great things they did. You read about Elijah, Elijah was so cool. Has it ever happened to you that you read Old Testament stories and you, and you ask yourself honestly, are you sure we are, doing, we, we are called to do greater? Has it happened to you? Are you sure? You just have a small moment. When you read about Elijah's teleportations, teleportations were so popular that one day, you know, he wanted to see the king and he told the servant, go call the king. And the servant said, ah, you want to kill me? We know how you literally disappear every time. If I go and tell the king that you are here, and by the time I come, you, have, you are gone, the king will say, oh, you are doing a laugh for me. And he will ask someone to give me short sleeve. The kings in those days were crazy. So just Elijah saying, go and tell, call the king for me, the servant saw it as a suicide, you know. Like, why, why, would you, why would you do me like that? I mean, we've literally looked for you everywhere. We couldn't find you. And now you're saying, go. Elijah was awesome. He had an open contest with false prophets. Call your God. He says, the God that answers by fire, let him be God. And after they tried, and in frustration, began to cut themselves. He just lifted up his head, said few words, and before we knew it, there was a rumbling in the cloud. And raw fire came from the sky. Imagine you witnessed that kind of thing. And came upon an altar and consumed it. The altar, water had been poured on, poured on it, but the fire was so great, it didn't matter. Consumed everything. Consumed what was on the altar and the altar itself. That was Elijah. Elijah, you know, he didn't, he hardly paid money for transport. <laughs> he would just go to the Jordan, use his cloth. <laughs> and just like that, you have to understand, at least Moses' own, he was leading, you know, an entire nation. That miracle was desperate. But Elijah just didn't want to be late for work. Very casual. <laughs> Just, uh, <laughs> it was beating traffic. And then one day, he announced to his country, he said, there shall be no rain. Three and a half years, according to my word. One man would hold a nation ransom. Hallelujah. And then you read all of this and you're like, wow, what a depth, what a dimension. Ah, Elijah Namanubio. <laughs> but then you come to James chapter 5, verse 15. Verse 16. And then the second part of it says, the if Effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. This is a training. And then of all people, he uses Elijah as an example. Oh my goodness. 
Listen, in Elijah's day, if you had asked anybody, what can I do to be like Elijah? They would say nothing. God has to choose sovereignly one person per generation. In fact, when Elisha was going to step on the scene, God had to remove Elijah. It was just like that. One king, one prophet. That's it. That's it. So, in fact, the fact that it was working on someone else was proof that it won't work on you. I'm talking Old Testament reality. But now in the New Testament, James picks something that Elijah did. And look at what he said. He said, Elijah was a man like you. Hey! What? So he has brought Elijah's possibility your way to say, you can, you can do that. Oh, you love what you read? Yeah, he was just a man like you. And he said, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land three years and six months. So you know what he's telling you as a New Testament reality? He's saying, if you do what Elijah did, you will see what he saw. This is new creation reality. No one thought like this in the Old Testament. Miracles in the Old Testament proved just how great the prophet is. Miracles in the New Testament prove what is possible in your life. So when you see someone like Elijah or any other person in the New Testament walk in the miraculous, this is your consciousness. The Bible says he's a man like you. So he expects his experience to challenge you. Are you getting this? If we'll be men of like prayer, we'll be men of like results. Since he's a man of like nature. Are you getting this? He's a man like us. He got his results because he prayed. If we will pray too, we will see what he saw. This is, this is the New Testament luring you to contribute. He was a man like you. I want you to tap your chest and say, he was a man like me. Oh my goodness. Say it again. He was a man like me. Preach it to the person by your side. Say he was a man like you. And so this changes everything. Look at 1 Corinthians 14. 14. The title of this sermon is the corporate anointing. Listen. If you come to a place like this and you recognize who you are in Christ and what you are capable of, and on one hand you are open to receiving ministry because no matter how long you've been in Christ, you're still meant to have a pastor, all right, who can minister to you. But at the same time, you are conscious of the fact that you have ministry too. I'm telling you. The body of Christ will not be able to, I mean, the kind of impact we will have will change everything. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. Oh, thank you, Lord. It says, how is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, just like we're together now, right? Come on, I, I want you to be more active than that. It says, whenever you come together, each one of you has a psalm. 
has a teaching. So listen, oh my goodness. You might not be the one preaching. Hallelujah. But you're, you're meant to be so grounded. If you get the opportunity, you should have something to contribute. From your own personal study. Because learning is not for learning's sake. It is for ministry. You have an individual ministry. You may never be sent to open a church, but you have a ministry. He says each one of us has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue. Meaning, we're all meant to be tongue speakers. It's, it's compulsory. In our curriculum, it's compulsory. Hallelujah. Have the tongue. Have a revelation. <clears throat> so you don't need to be the pastor to have a revelation. Right there on your seat. The Lord can show you something. You know, I have many sons who I'm training. I taught them most of what they know. But when they tell me God said, I listen, no. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? Even there are some people. They're stead and trusted when they say God's spot on. I'm talking about sons. That's your life. It's look, it looks like you're tired. Should we go home? No. Say, that's my life. That's my life. Say, I have, I have a psalm, a, a teaching, a, teaching. a tongue, a, a revelation, an interpretation. I function in discernment. Say, I'm a supplier of the Spirit. Say, I get to contribute. I have a part to play. And I play it. Hallelujah. That's God's will. So at the advent of the Spirit, what we were launched into was corporate participation. That You see, in that upper room, there was a sound of a rushing mighty wind. The Bible says, cloven tongues as of fire sat on everyone's head. That means everyone saw it. They saw it. <laughs> because if it was just one person saying it, he wouldn't have seen the one on his own head. Everyone saw it. Cloven tongues, they, they all heard the sound. They all saw the fire. They all spoke. Corporate participation. So it is possible, not only is it possible, it, it is meant to be so, that in a gathering like this, we can all manifest the spirit at the same time. Listen, we can just decide to switch things up real quick and make a place unconducive for the devil. Do you realize that the person sitting beside you might desperately need a touch from God and there is something you can do about it? I want what I just said to sink in. It is an irresponsible church that will see the sick and wonder when pastor is going to do something about it. Don't you get it? Don't you know who you are? Don't, don't you know who you are? I want to hear your stories. 
Hallelujah. And you have to start training yourself. Detach yourself first and foremost from that mentality where any small things happen, you want to call pastor. Mm -mm, have you tried? Have you prayed first? You have to start praying. Even in the Old Testament, the three Hebrew boys, they, they knew how to gather themselves and pray. They told the king, don't worry, give us time. How much more you? Have you learned to gather your friends to pray? Oh, your dad is sick. You prayed for your dad. Nothing happened. Have you called your friends? If it's just to Jesus now, you know, you know how to call them. You have to learn to call them to pray. Form small prayer bands in this church where you can depend on each other. Hallelujah. You must have people you can call. Oh, I want us to pray about this. That's another level of I have your back. Not just I can loan you money when you want, you know, but I will, there, there have to be people, at least four in your life, that you know if your life depends on it, you can call them. Just start praying. Just start praying. And you know from experience, I mean, you can count your victories together that at this time we prayed, this is what happened. That's true friendship. Are you listening to me? Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. He said, in my name, they shall cast out devils. I'm asking you now, have you cast devils out before? So now, if I'm going to cast out devils, first and foremost, I have to be able to tell when someone has devils. Meaning, automatically, I'm supposed to function in discernment. I ought to be able to see. I ought to be able to perceive. And that's my life. And I am not perceiving to run. I'm perceiving to make the devil run. He says, cast out. I'll never forget. In my second year, I was still learning some of the things I was, I'm teaching you. I had prayed and prayed and prayed. And I stepped out. And the Lord opened my eyes and I saw a demon. I mean, running for its day life. And I would, I would be honest with you. I know I'd read it in the word, but I was a little surprised. Ah, are these the guys that we read about? Ah, the movies lied though. They lied. Running away like this. What you're scared of is scared of you. It says you shall cast out. So now we can decide, and we're going to do it tonight, to chase the devil out of this hall. That demons tormenting people with sickness, with depression, with any form of ailment, we are going to say it in Yoruba for me. I'm a little cruel, have you? Hallelujah. Do you believe that? Yes, sir. It says they shall lay hands on the sick. You will not grow until you do. And can I tell you something? Two things you need to know. <laughs> there is something about grace and supernatural provisions. You will not know you have it until you use it. Someone gave me a powerful illustration years ago. He said, imagine Usain Bolt sitting on a chair. 
and everybody says, ah, this is the fastest man in the world. Oh, that's great. Fastest man in the world. But if you are going to see that grace at work, he will have to stand up and move his legs. If you are waiting for assurance before you start praying for the sick, you won't see it. You are waiting for alerts, like bank alerts. Tanam, you can now, you know. It doesn't work like that. It is already, it is, it's when you are already seated on the well, waiting for that Samaritan woman, ready to preach. That is when you will know supernaturally everything about her. If you want to stay in your house, you're, you're not, because you have to understand the gifts of the Spirit are for ministry. So if you're not doing ministry, why are you surprised that you're not seeing the manifestation? Can I tell you something? If you don't do ministry, your work with God will suffer. No matter how prayerful a man is, if he does not find an avenue to be a blessing to someone, no matter, even if it is your neighbor, your, you know, anybody, if you are not discipling someone, you will suffer because you are out of order. What I'm telling some of you is why you, you are struggling with your work with God. There is something about giving spiritually that fuels us. Try it. If you want to have a vibrant spiritual life, find someone to be responsible for. And the principle is simply this. That's how you're meant to function. So the reason you're struggling is because you're out of order. Let me show you something. Look at Romans chapter 1. I have a lot to cover and then, you know. Romans chapter 1. Look at Paul's statement. Let's learn from this. This is important. Verse 11 says, For I long to see you that I might impart to you some spiritual gift, so that you may be established. Now that's powerful. So a man of God can impart to you some spiritual gift. Like you're going to leave this camp meeting after hands are laid on you, knowing that your life has changed. Say loud, amen. amen. However, look at something. Verse 12 says, That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. So in my giving you, I benefit. Did you hear what I just said? In my giving you, I benefit. So even a pastor depends on fellowship, even if he's the one sharing the word. By feeding people, we are fed. So if you're not doing ministry, your work with God will suffer because you are out of order. Until you start practicing what I just told you, you're going to have issues. So I'm going to round off with this, very simple. A personal experience, but backed up with scripture. I was praying one day, and the Lord asked me a question. A question I want to ask. And I'm asking for a reason. The Lord asked me, he said, I want you to mention every single place in the Bible where the Bible records that people prayed together. Let's see if you can answer that. I'm coming with a microphone. So think of some that you can remember. I don't want, I don't want to pastors. So, who can think of any? 
are just whispering. Did you not raise your hand in your class? Raise your hand. Okay. When the church prayed for Peter, Acts 12. Mm-hmm. Acts 13. Good. Acts 13. Separate unto me, Paul and Barnabas. Where else? Old and New Testament too. Why are you whispering? The three Hebrew boys, right? Where else? Acts 4, Acts 2. Have you noticed something? What do they all have in common? Something extraordinary always happened. That's the corporate anointing. Let me tell you something. There is no single example in the Bible of people praying to God together and something extraordinary did not happen. There is no biblical precedence for that. No single example. Do you know how encouraging that is? That if we pray now, <laughs> see, when your friends visit you, don't waste the association. Don't waste the opportunity. Listen, I know you are anointed and I know you can pray a lot on your own. But when you see friends, use it well. Even if it's a casual visit, just say, man of God. You see, we have to learn to discern each other's graces. That your casual friend, tongue speaker, came to your house, use it too. Because after you are done playing FIFA, if he prophesies, you'll be amazed. You'll be amazed. We have to learn to descend each other spiritually. I remember when I went to evangelize with this man of God, you know, and, no, sit down, sit down, you know, and when we're done preaching to the woman, I said, she, she wasn't really listening. So I said, man of God, pray. And he was praying. The woman was pregnant, you know, and he said, and Father, I pray for, that you restore this family. You, um, the issue that she has with her husband will be restored. And she, she couldn't even wait for the prayer to end. He said, you are right. You are right. Me and my husband were fighting. Remember that? <laughs> Spot on. He said, when you come together to pray and someone gives a prophecy, he says they will fall face to the ground and say, God is here. Listen, if we take advantage of each other's... Listen, this is my son. My son, but even me, that they were like, ah, ah, correct. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> you show off. <laughs> the woman opened eyes, say, you are correct. <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen, I want to stir up something in you. You've got something. Let's benefit from you. I'm begging you in the name of Jesus. Don't let your graces lie dormant. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. The Lord taught me this. The Bible says, if the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body by the spirit that dwells in you. And this is explaining how the resurrection will happen at the end, that when we die at the trump of God, all right, by the spirit that already dwells in us, God will not have to do anything. The agency is already in us. So, that, you see, we are voice activated. By that trump, that power in us will raise us up. Now, think about it. 
You have dead raising power. The power you have in you will raise you up when you die. Think about that. And do you know you can live a normal life all your life. Meanwhile, the power you have is powerful enough to raise you up. It doesn't matter how long you were dead. At that trump. Even if your body had decomposed, the, bo the bones will find themselves. After all, you were made from dust at the beginning. The particles will reconverge. And you're going to rise again. So if you have that great power in you, what have you done with it? Listen, when we gather together like this, just imagine the powerhouse. Just imagine, you know, you know, an arsenal, like a real one, one that actually, one that is actually dangerous, you know. <laughs> you know, focus now. <laughs> you know, with weapons, <laughs> with weapons, artilleries. When I look at us like this, that's what I see. If we go off, If we go off, if we set ourselves off, something can happen. Now, something can happen here. The Bible says, as they prayed, Acts 4, the place where they were shook. <laughs> oh, yo, 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 yo. I want us to shake this place a little. Hallelujah. You're going to pray a different type of prayer. Rise to your feet. <laughs> Are you sure you're ready for this? I said, Are you sure you're ready for this? Stretch out your hands. See, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all I can ask or think according to the power that works in me. See, there is no challenge right here, right now that the power in me cannot fix. For the sake of the brethren, I dispense Say, flowing through me now is the power of the Holy Ghost to meet every need, to heal every sick. We make this place unconducive for the enemy right now. Now, I want you to speak like someone who has power. Say, it begins now. Say it one more time. Say, it begins now. Hallelujah. It begins now. It begins now. It begins now. It begins now. Listen to me. Do you know who you are? Just stretch out your hand and share some of the stuff you have.
Stuff this atmosphere. Stuff this atmosphere with glory. Stuff this atmosphere. Stuff this atmosphere with glory. Stuff this atmosphere with glory. Heal every sick. In Acts 13, the Bible says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the work whereunto I have called them. You need associations like that, that can confirm the leadings of God in your life. So what you're going to do now is you're going to direct, give direction to the power of God. You have to be specific. And be conscious of the power of God flowing through you. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.